now. It's time for the Cybersecurity News Bite with Jim Guckin. Now, if you weren't aware, CISA and the FBI, CISA stands for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and FBI, obviously, is Federal Bureau of Investigation, have issued a joint warning that organizations should be prepared for those, you know, data wiping attacks that have been hitting Ukraine since Russia decided to attack. Yeah, well, those could actually spill over and target companies or other countries. So we're right now aware of two strains of the wiper virus that has been going around, Hermetic and Whispergate. Now, these are the ones that have been specifically hitting Ukrainian systems trying to prepare for the invasion. But, you know, nothing says that these couldn't accidentally be something that slips out and hits a U.S. country or a company or an organization or anything. I mean, it, it said once these tools are kind of designed and they're out there, people are going to find ways of weaponizing them even further. And this is not something that most businesses are prepared for. We kind of prepare ourselves in business for ransomware and you have your insurance and you say, ah, insurance will pay for it and we'll be fine. That's not the goal of this malware. It wipes your systems clean. And should tensions continue with Russia and the rest of the world, any country who's not on Russia's side should be prepared for this stuff to kind of be used as weapons against it. It's devastating to have your data wiped. At least if it's encrypted, you can kind of hope that someone finds the key or you can pay someone for it. But that's that's not what this is about. This is all about destruction of that data. Now, CISA and the FBI have said organizations should increase vigilance and elevate their capabilities encompassing planning, preparation, detection, and response for such events. So what does that mean? First of all, I'm going to say, look up the alert because it goes through a lot of details on how you can protect your business. But it's a lot of things to kind of do if you're not already doing it. And a lot of this stuff is not new stuff. It's not like we've invented a new way of protection against this. These are the same kind of attacks that you should prepare for anyway. Most of it's going to come in either via a phishing attempt or drive-by malware downloads. These are these are the same tactics that they're using for everything else. You just have to prepare for them in this instance. So one, make sure your antivirus and anti-malware programs run regular scans. Enable strong spam filter to prevent phishing emails from reaching your end users. Yes, you're probably going to have some emails get accidentally caught, but it's way better than having your data wiped. Make sure you're filtering your network traffic out. Uh, if you have a proxy, if you have a um, DNS filtering, these are good ways of stopping data from getting out where it shouldn't get out. Make sure you update all your software that you need to. I know we all have software out there. We go, oh yeah, it's mission critical. It's hard for us to update. Now's the time to really make sure you're updating that stuff as quick as possible. Where you can use multi-factor authentication. Once again, totally something we should have been doing all along, but... Now's really solidifying the need to put MFA in wherever you can. Uh, if possible, if you have a, any groups, uh, like everyone, domain users, authenticated users with any kind of access, remove that immediately, especially any sensitive systems. 
I mean, in all places, you really should have named groups with access. Uh, but I do know places where they used everyone or they used all domain users to, to share files. Get rid of that because that'll keep accounts that are not specifically named in those groups from gaining any kind of access. Next one, where you can segment your network. If certain parts of your network do not need to touch, for example, if you have camera systems or door controls, uh, an IOT network, keep that separate from your data network. Where you can, make sure you're using uh, network-based access control lists. Make sure you have host-to-host -host connectivity, only the ports or services or protocols that you need. Make sure that's defined in there. What you, I mean, it could be a firewall. It doesn't really have to be an ACL. And you can say, hey, this can talk to this only over this port. That way, if something comes up and it has, let's say, it tries to use SMB, but that server's not set up for SMB, then you won't be able to get across that way. And the most important part is where you can have your security teams ramp up their review of security logs. Uh, make sure they're looking for any kind of um, admin or privileged accounts, service accounts. Keep an eye on all these things right now. Uh, check for any failed login attempts, any access to file shares that shouldn't have it, or any kind of interactive logons via remote session. Now, I know there's a lot of remote workforce now, but this is still something you need to watch out for, especially if an account shouldn't be accessed via remote session. Remember, this is the more dangerous version of this. This isn't ransomware. This isn't, hey, I'm going to get some money out of you. This is, this is total destruction of your data, and it's something that you really need to be on the lookout for. So where you can, put some of these in there. Look at the alert itself from CISA and FBI and, and really understand the security measures you probably should be taking to make sure that your network's protected because if you're not with Russia, you're against them and you're probably something they consider a fair target, especially if you're any kind of critical infrastructure or healthcare or anything that if your business goes down, it creates a public panic. And that's that's something you really need to be on the the edge of right now. Always keep an eye out for because you could be a target now more than ever. If you're downloading apps from the Google Play Store, kind of be on the lookout. There's a T-Bot malware, T-E-A, as in the thing you drink. It was discovered last year. Uh, it was the first time it was. It's a malware designed to siphon contact information, banking information, SMS, and any kind of private data you may have on your device. Now, the genius of T-Bot is it requires no malicious email, text message, website to drive by and download, any kind of third-party service. It's instead really packaged in a dropper application. So if you don't know, dropper applications are applications that seem legitimate from the outside kind of like Trojans, um, but they act as vehicles to pretty much deliver the malicious payload. So the first question always comes up with this, well, why can't Google do anything? I thought Google scans it. Google has that safe thing. Well, if you listen to the way I describe the dropper, that's why it gets away with getting around Google's safety measures. Because the file itself is fine until it starts to pull down the malicious software. Now, what you should be looking out for. So T-Bot droppers have masked themselves as 
kind of basic applications you may download in a hurry. QR readers, PDF readers, stuff like that. Because really the idea behind this is if you need um, a QR reader or PDF reader or a flashlight application for some reason, you may not actually pay attention to how many downloads it has, what the reviews say about it. You're just going to download as quick as possible. Because what, what possibly could be bad in a camera app or a scanner app or a QR reader app? And that's, the pro that's what they're looking for. That's what they're hoping for. And it's a, a very effective tactic. Uh, because in January, an app called QR Code Reader dash scanner app had 17 different T-Bot variants for a little over a month and it managed to pull down a hundred thousand downloads before it was discovered but this isn't the first time uh, in fact back in November T-Bot uh, had been operating under many names such as QR scanner 2021 PDF document scanner crypto tracker and according to uh, the security firm Cleafly, QR code and barcode scanner. See, these are all things you may download without actually spending a lot of time on, and this is what they were hoping for. So, as I said, Google can't do much about this uh, in, uh, because the, the, the application itself isn't that malicious. And it's checking for it, but there's nothing there. So you download this application. Uh, what they do is they kind of prompt you for a, a, a update. So you just download the software now. It's asking you for an update. You go to update it. And it's, it might, might said, Hey, you need to be, you need to allow unknown sources. Most people go, all right, well, it's downloading from the company itself. It makes sense. This is what they do to get you. And this is the dangerous thing about it. So, this is what you need to look out for. So my recommendation to you is be very careful what you're downloading. If you have corporate devices, restrict and test before you allow users to download stuff and really, really spend time to get the apps you need on your phone or your tablet or your device before you need it so that you can do the proper amount of research to make sure that app is safe. Because if not, you could end up with this malware and it could steal your banking information and your personal information and, you know, get away with it. If you use Mozilla, then pay attention to this because Mozilla has pushed an out-of-band software update to its Firefox web browser because it contains too high impact security vulnerabilities, both which are being actively exploited according to Mozilla. The zero-day flaws have been described as a use-after-free issue impacting the Extensible Style Sheet Language Transformations XSLT perimeter processing the Web GPU Interprocess Communication IPC framework. So what it is is a use after free bugs which could be exploited to corrupt valid data and execute arbitrary code on compromised systems. This stems mainly from a confusion over which part of the program is responsible for freeing the memory. Hence why it's called what it is. If you didn't know, XSLT is an XML-based language used for conversion of XML documents into web pages or PDF. And the WebGPU, well, that's pretty much the successor to WebGL, JavaScript library language. 
So here we talk about the CVEs, uh, CVE 2022-26485. As of the time of this recording, there is no CVSS score. So this is a remove an XSLT perimeter during processing, which could lead to uh, exploitable use after free. And the other one, CVE 2022-26486, which is an unexpected message in the WebGPU IPC framework that could lead to the use after free and exploitable sandbox escape. Now, Mozilla has acknowledged that we have reports of the attacks in the wild, weaponizing these two vulnerabilities, but they didn't share any technical specification of these because they don't want to give you uh, things on how to do it. Um, so be very careful if you're using these. Uh, the impacted versions, as I said, are Firefox. If you use the Focus browser, which is the Firefox for privacy, or you use Thunderbird, make sure that you upgrade to Firefox 97.0.2, Firefox ESR 91.6.1, Firefox for Android version 97.3.0, Focus 97.3.0 and Thunderbird. You want to make sure you're running that at version 91.6.2. And that way you'll make sure that you have these patched versions dealt with. If you use Linux in a container, then this next one you got to pay attention to. So details have emerged about a now patched high severity vulnerability in the Linux kernel that could potentially be abused to escape a container in order to execute arbitrary commands on the container's host, if that wasn't terrifying enough. So Linux kernel features called control groups, also referred to as C groups, version one, which allow processes to be organized into hierarchical groups, thereby making it possible to limit and monitor usage such as CPU, memory, disks, IO, and network. So the CVE is 2022-0492, which has a CVSS score of seven out of 10, the issues concern a case of privilege execution using the cgroups version 1 release agent functionality a script that's executed following the termination of any process in the cgroup it's been described as the issue stands out as one of the simplest linux privilege escalation discovered in recent times the linux kernel mistakenly exposes a privilege operation to unprivileged users this is, comes from Unit 42 Security Group from Palo Alto. The bug is a consequence of a missing verification check to verify the process settings of the release agent had administrative rights, therefore making it ripe for potential exploit. Now, the release agent file in this attack would be overwritten by an attacker. The kernel can be forced into calling an arbitrary binary configured by the release agent with the highest possible permissions, a scenario that could effectively allow for complete takeover of the machine. Now, it should be said that root privileges are the only ones that can write to that file, meaning the vulnerability solely permits root processes to escalate privileges. Now, containers running AppArmor or SE Linux, well, you're protected from that flaw, so users are recommended to apply the patches in light of the fact that it could be abused by other malicious hosts to elevate privileges. Release agent has resurfaced as an attack vector because it was used back in July 2019. Google Project Zero researcher Felix Wilhelm demonstrated a quick and dirty proof of concept exploit leveraging the feature to break out of a privileged Kubernetes and Docker containers. Then in November of 2021, not that long ago, cloud native security firm Aqua disclosed the details of a cryptocurrency mining campaign that used the same exact container escape 
technique to drop the XM Rig coin miner on infected hosts, making it the first recorded instance of real-world exploitation. So make sure that you're patching your Linux machines as often as possible, and make sure that you're not vulnerable to this, because it, it is a nasty one that, you know, granted you need root permissions, but that's not entirely always that hard to get. You can trick someone into doing it, or you can just, you know, wait for them to do it and then run the code. So be careful when you're doing this, if you, especially if you have a Linux machine that's in a container. You've been listening to the Cybersecurity News Byte with Jim Guckin. Learn more about our show at cybersecuritynewsbyte.com. 